The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Good evening, everybody. And, uh, you know, uh, we are going into a new year. And I can tell you right now that going into the new year, there ain't a lot of good vibes here in Philadelphia football. Uh, unbelievably, the Eagles lose today. Forget about the other teams staying close. The Eagles lose the game today to the inferior Arizona Cardinals at home and throw their playoff hopes completely into a tizzy. And here's the situation. You know, you can sit there and yell at the TV and be disgruntled and boo the plays that they call. The bottom line is, this is what they are right now. And uh, yes, whatever they had, and, and yes, we did overvalue what they had, but whatever they had, they have clearly lost. And they surely look to me right now like a first-round playoff game loser. And it doesn't matter who that's against. The Cardinals win this game 35 to 31, but it wasn't so much that they won the game. It was that they dominated the Philadelphia Eagles. They dominated them with the plays they ran. They dominated them in time of possession. And when faced with an opportunity to go down the field for a winning touchdown, they do it. At Lincoln Financial Field, they go 70 yards in seven plays against a defense that got ripped apart all game long. I'm absolutely flabbergasted at this result. Uh, listen, I knew they weren't playing well. There is no way I thought they could lose a game to the Cardinals here. And of all people, Jonathan Gannon comes back and gets his revenge against Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles. Where they go at this point, I mean, who knows and who cares? So this is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Let's bring in the crew. I'm Mike Missinelli. You see Seth Joyner and Mark Farzetta. Seth, let me go to you right now. I mean, listen, 
I know we were reeling with this team. We knew that they weren't the same team. They weren't playing well. They looked disorganized. They looked ripped apart, really. But to lose at home against a team that had just a couple of wins this year is just mind-blowing to me. Oh, it's not mind-blowing. You know, when you when when a team tells you, you know, we've been searching, we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to get it right. They've been saying it all year long, all year long. You know, and I don't necessarily put it on the players so much as I put it on the coaches because when, you know, the coaches are echoing what the players are saying, the coaches, it's incumbent upon the coaches to figure out how to get the players to play at the level or do the things that they want to do more efficiently. And this coaching staff has not been able to do that all season long. Now, you know, listen, I've I've been saying all year long that this football team, when they – when San Francisco came in here and beat them the way that they beat them, you know, nobody wanted to hear anything. Oh, they're still 10 and 2. All the fans were, oh, you know, all Seth Jordan does is complain. You know, the team is 10 and 2 and we're going to the playoffs. Yeah, you're going to the playoffs, but you ain't going nowhere beyond the first and second round. That's just evident, you know. Defensively, they have no remedy for how teams attack them. You know, I think it was a fatal, fatal mistake for Nick Sirianni to make the switch to Matt Patricia from um, Sean Desai. Because I think what you're starting to see is you're starting to see um, Matt Patricia try to be creative in a way that can help them and allow them to stop some of the things that you're seeing. But smart offensive coordinators can see the little tweaks and turns and the things that they're trying to change, and they're taking advantage of it. Like, you put... You got Hassan Reddick in a five-man front, and he's on the end of the line. And then they motion the tight end over, which now forces Hassan Reddick to respect that he's there and move out. He moves off the ball. That automatically tells you, okay, that he's in coverage. There's no more disguise in it, just by by alignment, okay? But he doesn't communicate with the tackle who's down in a three technique, okay? that he's now the contained guy if they pass the football. So you got the three. He's rushing in the B-gap, unaware that Hassan's no longer out there. And guess what they do? They run the ball right off tackle, right where instead of moving that guy out, okay? It's just the little small things with this football team um, that continue to bite him, you know? And and I've I've heard all the rhetoric about A.J. Brown being upset, you know, and, and some of the things that's going on internally. I can understand it now because this football team does no this football team no longer believes in how they're being coached. They don't believe in what Nick Sirianni is selling. That's pretty damn evident to me. You know, when AJ Brown can get a, a slant or a stop route any freaking time he wants to, and you're running quarterback sweeps, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I'm like, I, I really gotta, you know, tone it down because I mean I almost dropped a couple of cuss words right there. And I know we're on YouTube and we could probably get away with it streaming, but that's how I feel. I don't think that Nick Sirianni has a God darn clue what the hell he's doing right now. I don't think his offensive coordinator, he's pulling plays out of his behind. He is not coordinating anything. He is just pulling plays out of his behind. And Matt Patricia is over on the defensive side of the ball trying to magically put stuff together. And he's got everybody confused. If the linebackers didn't know where to fit before, they surely don't know where to fit now. They have no clue. 
The defensive line are not playing with their hands. They're not getting off of blocks. Nothing. I mean, this football team. <laughs> Go ahead, Farzi. Farzi, let me let me get to here because what Seth is saying, there's no coming back from. If a team is fragmented because they don't believe in the coaches anymore, it's finished. It's finished. How can you believe in it? Mike? There's no way you can salvage you, that. Wait a minute. That's you, you, guys, you, guys, you guys help me understand it. How can you believe in a coach, okay, when he hasn't been able to fix your flaws and your issues all season long? They've been talking about it since week one. We got this to fix. We got to get this right. We haven't played to the standard. To hell with the standard. What is your standard? The standard is a psychological thing because you haven't played to it all damn year. So that tells me you don't even know what the hell your standard is, okay? So please tell me, how is it? How is it that the players can believe in a coach who can't figure out a way to fix their ills, okay? Defensively, it's deeper. It's deeper because you're not talented. Josh, listen, Nicholas Morrow has no business starting in the National Football League, okay? Let's just say that. Let's just be let's be honest there. He has no business starting in the National Football League at linebacker. That's a fact, okay? No getting around it. But when you... When you couple that with the fact that you've confused the hell out of the defense and the defensive front and how they're supposed to stop the run and where they fit in the run, you exacerbated the situation because the defensive linemen don't even look like they know what the hell they're doing, let alone the, the linebackers knowing where the hell they fit. They have no clue, no clue what the hell they're doing. And they're all a liability in pass coverage. Anytime you want a completion, and you got a guy on Nicholas Morrow or any of these linebackers, you can have guaranteed. If Farsi, you're looking, you there? Are you there? Uh, Farsi, oh, hello? I, I am Stay not. <laughs> are you going to jump in the way of Seth Joyner when he's going like that? Because I'm not going to jump in the way of Seth Joyner. <laughs> because, good God, man. I, Seth, here's my thing everything, I 1,000% agree. I go beyond – this is an organizational problem. with the, If you're a player on this team, if you're a fan of this team, how do you have any bit of confidence in the organization as a whole? They panic, absolutely panic, by firing Sean Desai, despite the fact at the time they were 10-3, and three, and they look at Matt Patricia as if he's going to be some godsend to their defense. And you know there was a stretch today. a stretch, And one of the reasons you fired Sean Desai above everything else was because of your hideous, Porous third down defense. And there was a point today where they were what, four or six, they're 50%. They kept on just driving the ball down the field. And then you know what actually happened? The Cardinals gave them a break where they didn't have to face more than one third down on two possessions with 19 plays. When the Cardinals scored on back to back possessions for 15 points where they got the two point conversion, they ran 19 plays. They faced one third down in that stretch. You are warm butter. They are a scolding hot knife that cut through your defense this entire game. The only time you really got a break, two times. One, Milt Williams came up with a play to force fumble in the first quarter. After that, obviously, Sidney Brown coming up with a 99 interception return for a touchdown. But other than that, you were blown off the football field. And you talk about confusion. You, you can't get the right personnel with the game on the line after an onside kick you recover. 
You can't get the right personnel on the field at a pivotal point in the game. And before that, Jordan Mailata comes off the field with a, uh, with a flag for holding to put you back at first and 20. You can't get the right play after that. You see all the confusion on the field between Julio Jones running off the field, Grant Cocatera or, or Jack Stahl trying to run on the field. They don't know who's coming on. And then you burn your last, well, I think it was your last time out of the game. And then you bring in a screen to Kenny Gainwell on that. After you burned a timeout, that's what you did it for? This yeah, team is it. absolutely let me lost. Which to me was absolute suicide for John. Yes. You're rolling. You got momentum. You're playing into a hill. You don't need to gadget it up at that point. But once the Eagles get that onside kick, that's where you go, enough. And that's where you bury them and you put the game away. You got great, great field yeah. position. And yeah. they get a first down at the 20-yard line. Mylotta gets the penalty. Hertz gets sacked. They, they, they pass to the left is uh, 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 incomplete or uh, stopped. And they have to sell for a field goal. I mean, that's yeah. mind-boggling. That yeah. They gave you the ball on an onside kick there, and you couldn't put them away. Yeah, what, what did you say, Mike? That's where you put them away, right? That's yes. where you step on their throat. Yeah, that's what a good football team does. Exactly. The Eagles the Eagles are not that right now. And one of the most – the obvious thing, the obvious thing going into today's game – Bright lights flashing. It's not some team that struggles against the run in the Arizona Cardinals. It is the worst team in the NFL at defending against the run. And your best running back, DeAndre Swift, your best run has five carries at the half, five carries. At the drive you had at the end of the third quarter and start of the fourth, he had more carries on that drive, six, than he did in the entire first half combined. That is embarrassing. Absolutely. And they were calling him out. Moose Johnson on the broadcast is saying, at this point in the season, you're having this kind of confusion. You you don't understand what your true identity is. This team, it's another embarrassing loss for the Eagles. And it's more embarrassing at this point in the season than it is to the Jets. Things happen. You know, you're going to have a hiccup. You know, that yeah, the game obviously sucked. You were, ter were terrible in the turnover battle. But this game where you have two games left to lock things up, and you poop the bed the way you did today? Here's Ridiculous. I get it about not committing to the run. They didn't have enough plays. They didn't have enough plays. This team burrowed through them. They burrowed through their defense to the point where they couldn't get the ball to actually start their own drives. That was the key. You let that team bulldoze you in your own home. That's like, it's, yeah, I get it that they don't run the ball because they're stupid. Yeah, week after week, they're idiotic, and they don't commit to the run. And when they finally start to commit to the run, they have a little action. But the fact that they didn't – they had going in after the Cardinals' first drive of the second half, it was 53 to 24 in plays. For crying out loud, where are you, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. 53, that team ran 54 plays in your keister. Mm -hmm. They had another long drive. I think it was the start of the third quarter. They have another long drive. Eagles get the ball back three and out. They, they, they open things up by throwing the football. Like, do you not want to give your defense even a little bit of a, of a break to try to catch their breath? Because you knew they were already gassed. As you pointed out, the plays were way off kilter. Time of possession was way off kilter. They, there was no zero, absolutely zero saving grace from your coaching staff today. And that's one of the most disappointing things about this loss. Not only that it was, first off, close, and either way it was going to feel like one of them you know, moral losses again, but it was the fact that you had no saving grace from your coaching staff. No answer. And, and Seth, you heard me say this in pregame. People talk about, oh, it helps both that you know Jonathan Gannon and Jonathan Gannon knows you. I thought that was BS from jump. It was by far Jonathan Gannon's advantage that he knew Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, 
far better than they knew him because when he was here, he was coaching under the guidelines that the Philadelphia Eagles want their defensive coordinators to coach under and the and, and all the, the parameters surrounding that. When you look at a guy like Jonathan Gannon, he's out doing his own thing, Seth, and you know he's sending more blitzes than he did when he was here in Philadelphia. He's a different defensive coordinator, different defensive head coach out there in Arizona than he was here. But you know what he did know? He knew Jalen Hurts. He knew Nick Sirianni. He knew he could get away with a dumbass play call by calling an onside kick after that. That is ridiculous. The most embarrassing loss of the year by far. Listen, there's no doubt about it. There's, I, I, I'm just, I'm so at a loss for words that, you know, I, I mean, you, all the grumblings that you hear, you know, the things from players, you know, the anonymous sources, all of those types of things. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, you, you go into it and you're, you're trying to look at it from being a good teammate and, and, you know, and, and that entire perspective, but I know, I know better where, where there's smoke, there's fire. When you keep hearing conversations going on and coming out from players, you know, AJ Brown doesn't want to, you know, does not want to, talk to the media after the game is it's like Wednesday or Thursday this week before he'll talk to the media and you know Devontae Smith after the game last week you know his displeasure in a win you know th there are like fundamental flaws that are broken here that you know I, I don't know how they fix it I don't know how to fix I don't know how they fix it the way that it's currently structured because listen AJ Brown ain't going nowhere Dallas Goddard ain't going anywhere. You're probably gonna um you're probably gonna turn around and enfranchise um Devontae Smith. Um so these players aren't going anywhere. But if they don't believe in this coaching staff, if they don't believe that they can put them in the best positions to win games, you know, then that just that blows everything up as far as you know, then as a then as an ownership. Now you got to begin to think about, you know, do we make a change here? You know, because you can always get some more coaches. These players are locked into these damn contracts, and it is what it is. And it's, it's very apparent to me that these guys don't trust, you know, Nick Sirianni or Brian Johnson, and it confuses hell on the defensive side of the football. And listen, this is my greatest fear. My greatest fear is to look up and see a guy like Jason Kelsey who knows that, you know, He's on the, he's on number 18 in his career. Now, he's either on the putting green or he's got a chip for par right now. It's one or the other. And you're wasting it. You are wasting this guy's last hole right now. Because I'm, I promise you, if he doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, he's going to call it a day. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a, hall, a first ballot Hall of Fame. He's got a Super Bowl win. If he can't see a reason to continue on, then he's gonna call it a day, okay? And and then then what are you gonna do? You know you're you're so broken on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you, you got you got two young guys, you know, who are still learning how to be pros. You got two wily vets in Fletcher and and Brandon that's probably playing in their last year. I can't envision them signing the, the, neither one of those guys to ten million plus and bringing them back. Those, those guys are done. So now the, you already lack leadership on the defensive side of the ball. You lose these two guys, you have no leaders. Who's your leader? 
I don't see any playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see anybody that wants to come up and lay some wood on anybody. I don't see anybody that wants to challenge anybody at the line of scrimmage because they're so bent, they're so hell bent on this bend but don't break, don't give up the explosive play. You got guys that are off. How in the hell are you going to play off the wide receiver? It's third and four. You're starting off at seven yards off the ball and you're backpedaling on the snap of the ball. Do you not think that he's going to run a freaking out route for a first down? And that's the way you're coaching these guys to play? You're just going to give it to them? I, I don't understand it. That you've been doing this for three years now under this coach. Two years under Gannon. Ben, but don't break. <clears throat> Last year was, oh, you know, but we got 70 sacks. You get your ass in the Super Bowl. You get your ass handed to you in the second half. Why? Because you don't pressure and you can't get any pressure. Okay? So here you go. You hire another disciple of Vic Fangio. We're going to bend but don't break until we get to the damn 40. And look where you are now. One of the worst damn teams in almost every statistical category on the defensive side of the ball, and it hasn't gotten any better. Then you go and make a knee-jerk reaction, and you change over to Matt Patricia, who's now running Sean Desai's defense, has no idea how this defense really is supposed to be run, but you give him the damn keys, okay? And now he's out here like the mad scientist trying to create some stuff on the fly, okay? And now you really got your players confused. I, I, if, if right, let's, let's, we're going to, we're going to give it to this game a lot, but that, let's tell the folks where they are right now. Cause the Cowboys survived last night and in a lot of ways did the Eagles a favor. Cause we all thought the Eagles were going to win this game and knock the lions out of that number two seed. So all the Eagles had to do was win out, get the number two seed. Now that brings every back, everybody back into play, including the Cowboys. who if they win out, would win a tiebreak over the Eagles if the Eagles can will lose next week. So right now the Eagles are no better than a three seed and could be a five seed where they would have to go. And that's not a daunting task to go on to Tampa Bay and, and beat, but that team's playing well, certainly better than the Eagles. And in the, if they're the third seed, they Mike. would have probably have to face the Rams Mike. at home. Mike. And I'm looking at this game and I'm going, if the Cardinals can beat them here, certainly the Rams can beat them here. So this is going to be – this could be a one-and-done year after after the way they started and the, the hopes that the fans had for this team to fathom where they are now, where they could lose in the first round at home, is just an unbelievable circumstance, Fargo. Mike, I said, in the pregame, I said in the pregame that the defense is going to have to – the offense is going to have to carry this team, and they're going to have to keep their possessions below double-digit possessions in order to win. Okay, the Eagles, I've been saying it all year long. They couldn't stop teams early in the year versus the run and the four man front. So it forced them into the five man front because the linebackers were just terrible. Okay, so now they can't stop anybody in the five man front. Okay, they proved that beyond a shadow of a doubt over the last two weeks. Okay, so I don't give a damn who they play in the first round, they're not winning a first round game. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Because the tenants, you know, the Eagles think that you win the games by throwing the football, you get a lead, and then you run the ball late and you run the clock out, okay? That's, that's, the, that's the analytical way of winning football, okay? That might work during the regular season, but that doesn't work in the, in the, pre, in the postseason, okay? So now, Tampa Bay... They got White at running back. 
not an outstanding running back, but if they could if, if they commit to running the football, guess what? They can run it. Okay. You got Detroit with two two running backs, Montgomery and Gibbs, with speed, okay, that we don't have. We have no speed on our defense. None. No speed. Okay, I, and by the way, I thought it was a major mistake for them to activate Deon, De, um, um, Maddox today. He looked like crap, absolute crap. They should have left Bradley Roby in the ro in the rotation. Maddox looked like crap today, okay? So now they have no speed on the defensive side of the ball, okay? What's the, the, the other team? Um, Dallas is the only team that doesn't run the ball efficiently that they may face in the playoffs. Everybody else that they may face, they're going to run the ball down their throats. If 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 the Cardinals can come in here and run for 226 yards against this defense, what do you think? Every other team that they, that they could potentially play, and you want to know something, they're going to dominate the time, the time of possession the same exact way the Eagles got dominated today, okay? And then all it takes is a couple of boneheaded, stupid-ass offensive play calls like the Eagles did today or possessions where they don't score, where they're in position to score, okay, for the game to be a match. I mean, it just made no sense today. I, you could just feel it. You could just feel I mean, do you realize that the damn Cardinals scored on four possessions in a row in the second half? Four in a row. Are you kidding me? You had no answer at all for that? No points at all? It is that, ridiculous. That passive, Eagles. Offense, that passive defense that you've been running, you've been getting your ass handed to you all season long. If it hasn't worked to this point, don't you think you ought to try to blitz and do something different? You think At 21 to 6 against this team going into halftime, there's no way you should be losing this game. And they so they come out in the third quarter, Farzi, their first drive right up the field, and then they get the pass in the flat to Michael Carter. And Shaq Leonard whiffs on it. Again, they we're throwing an aftermarket part in there to mm -hmm. try to stem the tie. The Eagles, you recall, they had a big play going, and Devontae Smith couldn't handle the bomb. It was a little over his head. He yeah. twisted his head a little bit. And then they come right back down the field again. At that point, it's 53 to 24 in place, and they get a, a, Connor, a touchdown, a one-handed Connor catch. Uh, uh, was uh, I don't know who it was Achille Ringo. Achille Ringo did not have a good day, but it Ringo. probably wasn't that touchdown. It was a touchdown later in the fourth quarter where he was victimized on that, that tied the score. After the Eagles had gone ahead 28-21, I'm going, okay, enough is enough. Put this team away. And, again, the Cardinals just come right back down the field. They go for it on fourth down. They get the touchdown. Murray to Wilson, and Ringo was victimized there. And, and then you know, the Eagles could not get a touchdown to get ahead of them. They had to settle for a field goal on, on that possession where they got first down at the Cardinals 20. And, and the play calling was ridiculous. I, I just can't believe what I'm seeing with this team right now. They're totally torn apart and fragmented, Farsi. They are a team right now that is completely and utterly lost. Like, there's no way out of this. It's as simple as, I mean, you could talk about quicksand. You could talk about the more they struggle, the more they sink and all that stuff, because that's exactly what they look like. And then you look to their coaching staff, and their coaching staff doesn't have answers for them. You look at the talent on this team. Yeah, you look at a guy like Shaq Leonard that you mentioned, and I was all for bringing him in. I figured it couldn't get any worse. I was wrong. You look at a guy like that whiffing on tackles left and right. It wasn't just this game. He struggled in that Seattle game as well. Has not been worth the signing even a little bit. And now you're watching this team one in four 
going into week 18 in their last five games, losing to the Seahawks, barely being able to scrape by the New York Giants who had Tommy DeVito start that first half and then Tyrod Taylor all of a sudden breathes life into him in the third quarter of last week. And then you go up against this team with three wins coming into it. Kyler Murray's barely played this season and you can't get that offense off the field. And to your point, Mike, that three and out that they had where they threw the ball over where Jalen Hurts was rushed in the pocket, let the ball rip down the field to uh, Devontae Smith and he couldn't come down with it. After that, that was in the middle of that run of 19 plays and just one third down faced. By the by the uh, by the Cardinals offense there. I mean that's that's just flat out pathetic. And you're letting them run slants on you left and right. You're letting them run screen plays out, wide receiver screens, bubble screens left and right, right at your defense. The things that you try to do well and for some reason can't, and they're just throwing it right in your face. It was uh, almost personal for Jonathan Gannon where he said, "Oh, you know what? We're going to do a lot of the things that you guys think you do well, and quite frankly, do actually do well, but you don't run it enough." Uh, the wide receiver screens, the tight end screens are the only exception. But when you see slants to A.J. Brown that have the efficiency rating 90-plus time and time again, then you rarely see it in this game, especially when your backs are against the wall and you have those bread-and-butter plays. It is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you mentioned, what, being up, what, 21-6 at halftime. Your defense had already gotten you a touchdown. Not just a touchdown, but a huge stop where they're driving the football pretty well. And they flipped the script on the Arizona Cardinals. They're able to get that pick six. And then your offense can't control the game from that point on. It took you literally, literally, and I understand the first half, the play imbalance and all that stuff. But literally, the end of the third quarter, Mike, the end of the third quarter, to remember just how good you are at running the football, and then it took you that long to also remember you're playing the worst run defense in the NFL. It, this game, this particular loss, is the one that really, and it seems like every single week there's a new one that sticks in the crawl. There's too many of them. So when you start talking about playoff seating, like Seth was going through, who they could face, who got confidence, I don't got confidence in them beating anybody. They can barely no, beat I, the Giants. They can't not. beat the Cardinals. They, they suck. They put themselves in a position where I, I'm, I'm looking at, what what a, what would a line be on the Rams coming here? What would the Eagles be slightly favored by a point? Now think probably about a point. That. Yeah. yeah, think about well, if, if that were to, like we're looking at the team that we thought the Eagles were. It would be unfathomable to think that the Rams could come in here and win that first round game. Now I'm, it's almost a certainty in my point. And the way the, the Rams are a professional team that knows how to move the football again, and this defense is terrible right now. So, like I say, this this game told me that the season is lost it's it's lost i mean you you can you know conjure something up in your head that they could win a playoff game but it's not going past that it's not going past that and most likely not going past the first round and that's the stunning development of this whole season from where they were to now how we have to process it and they're discombobulated they're confused the head coach really has not taken enough heat Frankly, I mean, we we zero in on the coordinators all the time. This guy is supposed to be the, the the ringleader of this whole thing, and he is coming up really short from the panic move to decide, which may have been a Lori call or not. But now, what do you think, Lori and and Banner are thinking of Sirianni right now? He doesn't look like he is able to be a competent NFL coach to bring a team that's desperately in trouble out of that trouble. Okay, so let me take it a step further, Mike. You know, since you wanted to bring Jeffrey into the mix and Howie into the mix, okay, it's been insinuated, okay, that they run everything. Mm -hmm. That they run everything. Yeah. That there are conversations that are had every week on why you do this and why you don't do that. 
that the people in the analytics department have more power over who plays and who's active and what plays should be run than the coaches actually do, okay? What coach wants to coach under those circumstances, okay? The only way they keep hiring these coaches that we've never heard of before. Why are they doing that? Because they can control them. They can tell them what to do and how to do and when to do it. But now they're going to trot Nick out there, and Nick has to take all the bullets when the, the people who are really responsible are behind the scenes, and you're not hearing anything from them at all. They need to step up, okay? Because but, see, if I get day, that, but this guy is coaching right during the game. He is coaching. He's he's it's his live coaching, and he's not coming up with any answers. Let me ask the you a offense, question, right? you sit there and go, why don't why did they do this? It never works. Why don't they do that? That team can't stop the run. This is under his control at that point. It might be under his control, okay? But when you set a game plan, the game plan is set, okay? You're not going into the game plan and just pulling something, pulling the rabbit out of your hat that we're going to make these changes on the fly. You can make little tweaks here and little tweaks there, okay? But when the game plan is set, listen, you played against one of the worst run defenses in the National Football League this year, okay? This just you just got done, and you're gonna tell me that that warranted you not giving. You, you talked about the run game in the second half, okay? They always go back to the second to the run game when they start to play like crap. You want to know why? Because they know that that's their best way, their best venue for having success on the offensive side of the ball. It opens everything up, but organizationally, they don't want to play football that way. Okay, they want to throw the ball all over the map because Jeffrey said it. Guess what? You know how you win games? You win games with a franchise quarterback and you run with an explosive offense. So look what they built. They built this explosive offense. Okay, but they're really predictable on how they throw the ball and formationally what they do. They seem to forget that other teams have analytics departments, too, and they see what your tendencies are and what those things look like as well. Okay. So what's the what what balances things up? What balances things up is dominating the damn line of scrimmage by running the football. They do not want to do it. Okay. And we can all go over to the Novacare Center with some signs and stand out there tomorrow morning. And guess what they're gonna do when they go to New York next week? They're gonna throw the freaking ball all over the place against another bad run defense. Why? Because philosophically, that is what the organization wants to do. And philosophically, that is what the organization is telling the coaching staff to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because they don't want to get in that meeting like Doug Peterson had to go in every Tuesday and and defend why they call so many run plays and won a football game. Because that's not the philosophy of the organization. Okay? That's the fact. 91 rush yards, by the way. They had 91 rush yards today against a team that I think allows 143. Or 127 on average? Anyway, they're the worst in the yeah. league. 15 <laughs> carries from the running backs. You, only 15 when carries. You realize, when you realize that your defense was at a point where they couldn't stop anybody, that's the time where you run the football. You want to know why? Because you need to dominate the, the time of possession to keep them off the field. Don't come out throwing the ball. You want to eat up as much clock as you can while you have the lead. Don't come out and throw it three times and have to print it and give it back or throw it all over the place 
and then take a field goal. And Seth, you, 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 you are 100% right on what you're saying, 100% right. But keep in mind now, the Eagles were up 21-6, to and in the third quarter, that team still burrowed through them and scored two touchdowns right away. Now, that, that's not an offensive game plan. That's that's almost a will by your defensive players. That's a figure it out if you're a defensive coordinator situation. Two straight drives, bang, bang, right down the field. This team, this Arizona team did that to them. So we can say all we want about what they don't do on offense. The bottom line is they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop an inferior team today because they didn't have any defensive will. And, yes, maybe they are confused because they don't know what what Patricia wants to do. But somewhere along the line, will has to take over. And they let that team score how many points in the second half? What, 29? 29 points in the second half they let that team score on them. Hey, listen, Mike. What I know from experience is it's hard to play all out, balls to the wall, when you're not sure what the hell you're supposed to be doing. You understand what I'm saying? The reason why it takes time for defenses to get to where they need to get to is that you have to have your players under your wing long enough so that they understand exactly what you're trying to do from a defensive perspective. Everything across the board, okay? The linebackers are tied to the defensive backs because they're – connected with them in coverage, okay? So when they make a call, every linebacker knows exactly what the hell is going on to their right, to their left, and behind them, okay? The linebackers have to be tied to the defensive line because you know what? Each guy across the board has a gap responsibility. The linebackers don't look to me like they even know which gap they belong in. Are the defensive linemen, you know, when, you, when you're double team? Is he coming down to take a guy off the double team so the defensive lineman can stay in the gap that he split the two double team guys on? They don't act like they know where they fit. That's confusion. When you get confusion on the part of, of players and they don't know where they're supposed to, they play timidly. Mm-hmm. They play timidly from the linebackers all the way back because they're not sure where they're supposed to fit or what the hell they're supposed to be doing, okay? They just don't know. Because the coaching staff has created so much instability and the coaching staff has created so much indecision that the players can't believe their eyes and see what they believe and go full bore, you know, 100 miles an hour. That's the way the game is supposed to be played. They can't play that way. You can't play that way if you don't know where you're going, Mike. I get it. I get it. Let's take a breath. Um, (laughs) This is just a broken situation i it's really uh hard to believe that how how broken this situation is right now but um the pond hockey was post game show uh, continues it's time for us to say if you're looking to hire right now in the it engineering manufacturing or technology fields you got to contact our buddy gary kane maybe gary can cheer you up uh call, call gary and his team at kane partners staffing solutions and here's how you can connect Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes 
go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. too with a one-size-fits-all gift card buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card make it Hooters for the holidays eat chicken wings buy Hooters things Christmas is near gift cards are here good at Hooters everywhere now Hooters gifts are always favored do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back to the Pond La Hockey Eagles postgame show. You can see we're not at Ocean Casino today. Uh, it is New Year's Eve, and uh, we're we're hanging home to give you this show. Uh, uh, spread tidings of, of good cheer on New Year's Eve. You have my permission to start drinking right now. Okay, don't even don't even wait till we till we get to the witching hour where the New Year comes in because the Eagles have lost lost to the Arizona Cardinals at home, thirty five to thirty one. Where that puts them in the playoffs, I mean, who who knows and who cares at this point? They look like a third seed now, which means they're going to have if they win their first round game, they're going to have to play San Francisco uh, in their next game. As the 49ers probably clinched the the, the uh, number one seed, they won today. Um, Detroit probably moves ahead of the, of the Eagles. The Cowboys are still involved. Uh, I, I mean, I, this is hard to believe, but in any event, Bill Calarulo is joining us on the broadcast, and of course, uh, this is time for. The player you can bank on, which Mark Farzetta usually handles, but we always put him in a tough spot uh, over the last several weeks because there has not been a player you can count on. So, uh, Mark, uh, the player you can count on is presented by First Trust Bank. You can take this anywhere you want. 
Yeah, I'm going to take it to the guy that took it to the Eagles uh, all the live long day and James Conner. They had no answer for him. And said everything you've pointed out when it comes to what the defense wasn't able to do, this is the guy that above everyone else that the Cardinals counted on today, James Conner was the guy they could absolutely bank on. And I hate to go to the Cardinals, but I am certainly not going to go with a compliment towards the Eagles in this game. But when it was all said and done, 26 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown uh, he had himself an absolute day, even had one reception on it. But every time you looked up at the screen, he was the guy that was absolutely taking it to the Eagles. And when you look at the end of the second half and you look at the third quarter where they really started to go on that run, James Conner was the guy that was at the forefront of it. And throughout the game, he was absolutely the guy they could bank on. That was, that was uh, yeah, he had one catch. That was a pretty significant catch, don't you think? A little bit, a little bit. The one-handed one snag for the touchdown. Bill? Uh, I, I know you're just as perplexed as everybody, but maybe we shouldn't be perplexed because this team it has shown its identity. It's a fragmented team right now. So, you know, the fact that they lost to the Cardinals, while it is kind of overwhelming, is maybe kind of predictable to the point where they are right now. Yeah, we sit here on New Year's Eve, not in the best of moods, but I'm not mad at Nick Sirianni or Brian Johnson or Matt Patricia, Howie Roseman. I'm mad at myself because for 14 games, I watched this team and I kept thinking to myself, something's off, knowing that they weren't good enough, knowing that they were just finding ways to win, but I kept getting pulled back in. What's the old expression? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I kept fooling myself because I wanted to believe this team and I wanted to listen to everyone saying, well, they're 11 and four. Well, they're 10 and one. They're you know, they kept winning football games, but when we do look at the entire season now with 2020 vision in hindsight, they haven't been good all year. This defense is terrible, absolutely terrible. And there was one thing that this defense did well to start the year, and that was stop the run, or so it is. It appeared statistically that they did it well. You look at the first nine games of the season. Only one team rushed for over 100 yards against this team. You now look at the last seven, and every single damn team has rushed for over 100 yards. They're giving up an average of over 150 yards a game on the ground. So now no longer do they just stink against the pass and on third down and in the red zone and getting after the quarterback. They also stink against the run. So my anger and my frustration is at myself because I didn't trust my eyes at what I was watching for 14 damn games, which is not a good football team. And it is a miracle that they've won 11 football games still with a negative seven turnover differential because that interception at the end of the game by Jalen Hurts, extremely frustrating. And look, you're saying they're going to be the three seed. They're going to be the five seed, Mike, because the Cowboys like, are going to beat the command. They could be the five or they could be the three. You never but know. Honestly, they could be the one seed and it wouldn't matter. This team is not doing anything in the playoffs. They are just not a good football team. And that's the sad reality that's setting in because the season's almost over and we're going to have a long off season waiting for next year. Bill, don't be mad at yourself. I tried to tell you three weeks ago <laughs> when we sat in the ocean. Didn't I try to tell you? You know, but you want to know something? You'll say that and there'll be people on the radio and on TV and in print and whatnot. Oh, it's easy to say that in hindsight. BS, okay? I've been saying it all year long and all I've been getting is, oh, you know, what are you talking about? The team is 
five and one and six and one and ten and one. I've been saying it all year long. The team hasn't played well all year long. You know, usually when you look at a team like San Francisco, yeah, they got taken out to the woodshed last week, you know, by the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have proven to be, you know, that team this this year. The thing I like about what I heard those guys out of Baltimore say is like everybody else wants to play basketball on grass. We don't play that way. There's not that many people that want to play the style of football that we want to play because we want to hit you in the mouth. Okay, you don't hear that kind of rhetoric coming out of defenses and football teams anymore because everybody wants to play this little pansy ass brand of football, you know, where you're playing seven on seven and you're throwing the ball all over the place and you're pushing guys down and you, you know, you're trying to, you know, dive at ankles and whatnot. Nobody wants to get close enough to put their physical body in their face on somebody and knock some snot out of anybody anymore. That's why the Baltimore Ravens are the number one team right now because they're gonna they're gonna physically intimidate you. Do the Eagles physically intimidate you in any way? Especially they can do it on the on the offensive side of the ball, you know, from the from the offensive line standpoint. But the but the, the coaching staff won't give them the opportunity to dominate the game in that way. They sure as hell can't do it on the defensive side. All they do is catch. They don't they don't try to enforce anything. Every single time that James Conner ran the football today. He fell forward every day. Nobody knocked him back. You know, it took it took Milton Williams getting in the backfield, you know, slipping a gap. How come we weren't slipping more gaps today? Because you know what they do? They sit there like statues, and they, never, they run no games. They got no run blitzes, nothing. They don't even know how to time it up. They don't even know how to do they, – they're clueless when it comes to what they're doing defensively, okay? So, Bill, you talk about being confused. I tell people, you want to know something? I know you don't want to hear it. I told y'all so. I've been telling y'all so all damn long, all year long. And wait, wait, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All due respect to Bill, I'm not mad at myself. I am mad at Nick Sirianni. I am mad at Brian Johnson and Matt Patricia and Sean Desai because they're the guys that have to coach this freaking team. I'm not going to take the blame and say I overvalued them. This is a team that was ahead 21 to 6 at halftime. What did their defensive coordinator do to influence the third quarter when that inferior team ran it up your giggy? That team ran 72 plays on you. I'm not I'm supposed to sit here and not blame a coaching staff. This team came in to, to this game in Eagleville not being able to stop the run. I'm not going to get mad at the head coach for saying this is what the game plan is going to be. We're going to run against this team. So, yeah, I'm going to blame everybody, and I'm not blaming me. You want to blame yourself, Bill? Knock yourself out. Yeah, but you look no, at it. Well, look, listen, I've been the guy. You know, you know why you're going to hear it? You're going to hear it because those people who are just diehard Eagles fans come hella high water. They don't care what the hell happens. You'll still get those that be like, oh, it's still 11-5, and five and they're in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, that's that, ridiculous. That, if anybody look, says that right now, I'm not a true fan. I've been a guy on this show. When you try to be critical of this team, people don't realize that we're not in the business of being fans. We, I, listen, I want the Eagles to win. I want them to yeah, do well. At this point, our job, people can't our job is to analyze the game. They can't be that idiotic to watch what's going on and say they're still 11-5. and They're smarter than that. I've been a guy on this show. Hey, they're out there. <laughs> but I, I've been a guy on this show that usually gets frustrated that they don't run the ball enough. I say that a lot. We've talked about it a lot. I don't think that was the problem today. Yes, they should have run the ball a little bit more. I did not like the play calling at the end of the game after the onside kick. 
But the reason they lost this game wasn't because they didn't run the ball enough. They didn't have the ball enough. The drives that they let the Arizona Cardinals go on was insane on the defensive side of the ball. The Arizona Cardinals, they flashed a stat in the first half, had the longest drive of their season, and it was a 14-play drive. The Eagles then let them follow that up with a 16-play yeah. drive. So exactly. it was the defense so that lost this game. Defensive coordinator for that? No, I'm not going to blame the defensive coordinator. Who I blame for the way the defense plays is Howie Roseman because we've now been saying it for a few weeks. And I started to ask the question even before the 49ers game: Did this defense have the personnel to go back to a Super Bowl? Phil, does I'm not every absolving. Defense have the personnel? Does every the defense that don't have the personnel coach around it? I don't see how you could coach around bad tackling how you could coach around guys who just can't cover, who can't tackle the football. It, it's Yes, the, the players need to play better. The coaches need to play better. I'm not absolving Nick Sirianni or Matt Patricia or the players entirely, but I think if we need to share the blame here, the lion's share of the blame has to go to Howie Roseman and whoever built this defense because they don't have good linebackers. Shaq Leonard had some flashes last week against the Giants. He's not the answer. Avante Maddox, Seth said, is spot on, didn't look great tonight, which you expect he's rusty, but then they shouldn't have sat Bradley Roby tonight. They don't have secondary players. Keely Ringo is a rookie. As excited as we were about Keely Ringo and as excited as we are about Sidney Brown, you can't expect those guys to make enough plays for you to get back to a Super Bowl. They don't have good players on the back end, and that is a direct result of Howie Roseman and the roster that he built for this team. So yeah, I'm angry at Sirianni and I'm angry at Matt Patricia and Brian Johnson, but I'm really angry at the defense that was built on a team that should have had Super Bowl aspirations. And they did. So, Early I, in the season they I did. Get it. The Cardinals have how many wins? What are you what are we asking? They they now, they, they, yeah. they have bad personnel. Bad personnel should still beat this team. Yeah, this team, the Cardinals are a bad football team and the Eagles proved that they were the worst football team today. And here's what really bothers me about this particular game. This is really the cherry on top of what has been one panic move after another by this Eagles team. Some of them worked out. Kevin Byard has been better than what they had, so that was fine. But everything else has been worse after that. And Sean Desai was was demoted why again? Matt Patricia was going to be the genius savior for what reason? And they waited that long to make that move? I said at the time. That that was a move that was 1,000% a panic move. But if you were going to make that much of a blatant panic move, you better be right. And they obviously were not at all right. And for anyone that watched this team, even at 10-1, even right before they got blown out against the 49ers and got beat by the car, anyone that watched this team and said, oh, I'm watching a Super Bowl contender, what the hell were you looking at throughout this entire time? Because they never showed that they were one of the better teams in the NFL. They showed that they could just squeak by. And when they started facing the upper echelon teams, they started to get blown out. And now you face those lower tier teams and you can't beat a Drew Locke-led Seahawks team. And now you can't beat this Cardinals team and you just barely beat the Giants defensively speaking, this team is in embarrassment and they tried to push the panic button to make an overhaul defensively in some type of different philosophy with what five games left in the season against the guys that were on that schedule. And now we're supposed to look at it and go, Oh, that was the saving grace for the season. Yeah. Once again, one in four in those five games, embarrassing.
Mic drop. <laughs> Pretty good. Mic drop. Uh, you know, no, don't it, get me wrong. These coaches, drop. these coaches are not doing a great job. But what I'm saying is, is when you have coaches, you have a new offensive coordinator and you have a brand new defensive coordinator. The coaches aren't good enough to overcome a lack of personnel on the defensive side of the football. So well, uh, that is why I blame Howie Roseman, because you're going to put Sean Desai as your defensive coordinator. And the quote that Mike, Mike Missinelli had is they're trying to run a high-powered Ferrari with aftermarket parts, and you're trying to do it with a mechanic who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So you put all of those things together. Yes, trying it's to do with Putty from Seinfeld. <laughs> Oh, he's actually a good mechanic. Yeah, he was a good mechanic. It was the other guy. Yeah, the, 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 Garrett, that Garrett guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. On the other side, we got Kayla Santiago will join us with the diamond debate, and we'll, we'll oh. look over the playoff thing. Because, Bill, at this point, they, they are likely to be the fifth seed, uh, which means Dallas is going to win the division and get the two seed. And they win the tiebreaker over the Lions, who get the three seed, which means the Eagles will have to go to Tampa Bay. And if they win that game in Tampa Bay – which I, you can't possibly count on at this point, they would play the 49ers. So the reality is forget about it, all right? From where they are right now, there is no miracle that's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Uh, we're back after this. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. 
We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. It is Paul Hockey, the postgame show. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Eagles lost. They kicked themselves damn proud in the fifth seed. So, uh, excuse us if we're not, uh, we don't have a glass of champagne uh, in front of you here. So let's bring in the man who covered this game for Jacob Media uh, and the uh, Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. His name is John McMullen. And, John, it's hard for me to ask you a question at this point because my only question for the question would be, WTF has happened to this team? That's the question. Well- it's general enough. Yeah, I mean, today it was just a pathetic defensive performance. I would say that, uh, you know, especially they didn't at the Arizona Cardinals, guys. The Arizona Cardinals, Mike Missinality, did not punt in this game. I mean, they moved the football at will. They ran the football uh, over 200 y- yards. James Conner was just dominating, devastating, 449 yards total for what has been one of the worst offenses in the NFL, time of possession, 39-39 to 20-21, Cardinals advantage. They come back from a 15-point halftime deficit on the road. And, oh, by the way, I just got up from seeing Devontae Smith on crutches with a walking boot on his right leg. Avante Maddox walking back from the x-ray room. Um, This is a devastating loss for the Philadelphia Eagles in in more than, in more ways than one. But number one, I would state, they got to be, they they have to be a little bit shell-shocked from this game because they got their hats handed to them. And it really, if Arizona doesn't make the big mistake on the pick six. If they finish some drives in the first half, we wouldn't even be talking about this as a collapse. We were talking, we'd be talking about this as a a dominating performance by the Arizona Cardinals on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Just a bad, bad loss. No way to frame it any other way. I thought you just said, I just thought you said Embarazona. (laughs) <laughs> Which would have been a stroke of genius. Yeah. That's what it feels like. But you said if Arizona. I'm sorry. Farsi, go ahead. Yeah, put that on the back of the Daily News, I guess. Uh, yeah, I might what, steal what, that. What, what was said after the game, John, as far as Nick Sirianni? There looked to be a lot of on-the-field confusion between Brian Johnson and the personnel on the field right before what was their final, I guess, uh, second-to-last offensive possession before their you know Hail Mary mm-hmm. attempt. Well, well, it I seemed like there was start- a lot going on there. Yeah, the second the law, last offensive possession. Remember, the last one was desperation mode. Yeah. So really, after recovering the onside kick, kind of a brilliant move, actually, by Jonathan Gannett. Because, you know, for all the talk about Arizona, and I said all the good things, you know, they probably weren't going to stop the Eagles offense. 
the Eagles offense moved the football pretty well when they had the football. They just never had the football. Um, and and then they get the onside kick, and you figure, well, they'll score quickly, and Arizona might have a chance to tie, maybe try to win it with a two-point conversion, steal a win that way. I think that was the mindset. In fact, I know that was the mindset of Jonathan Gannon. Um, and they just went into sort of conservative mode. Now, granted, the Jordan Mailata, um, they got a first down. Then there was a Jordan Mailata holding penalty, which really set them back at first and 20. And then they went Jalen Hurts run, Jalen Hurts run, Kenny Gainwell bubble screen, which, by the way, they have the playmaker, Devontae Smith, blocking for the role player. And that's where Devontae got hurt on that damn bubble screen that nobody likes, nobody wants mm. to see. After they, they burned a timeout, by the way. Sorry to interject, yeah. but after they also burned a timeout. Yeah. Exactly. So catastrophic play. Um, Jake Elliott, as steady as can be, still comes through with the field goal. And then the defense falls apart. I'll say this about the defense. They keep rolling out all these different personnel packages, and I'm surprised they don't have more problems. So give them, the, the one thing I'll give them credit for is they don't have any penalties. But my my God, just pick something. And maybe somebody gets a little bit more comfortable and you start playing bubble, uh, better football. We got, we got small dime. We got big dime. We got big nickel. We got Nolan Smith playing Mike linebacker. We got two linebackers. We got three safeties. We got four corners. They're all over the place. And you wonder why you have no consistency. Uh, this is week, I believe, week 17 of an 18-week season. Pick something. I, I don't get this defense to save my life. Yeah, they can't even pick the play caller, John. How are we expect how do we expect them to pick the play? Yeah, and we see what that matters. So, all right, what that tells me is you had no confidence in Sean decide. Because I said, you know, the improvement over the final weeks of the season should have been baked in. And it was with Seattle and the Giants. It wasn't even baked in with the Cardinals. They had 449 yards. They had 221 rushing yards. I, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish, you know, even, even from the simple matter of, of Rick's, rotating Ricks and Ringo. Why? Who's better? All right, Ringo. You understand Darius Slay. Yeah, Ringo is better. Just play him. Just play him. Mm -hmm. I said, Avante Maddox is there. I don't know. Maybe they had him on a pitch count because of the injuries, and maybe he's hurt again, and maybe that's the right thing to do. Um, you know, Sidney Brown had the nice pick six, which got to show up as athleticism. But these constant moving parts, I do not think is helping this defense. It is a massive misplay by the Eagles to make this change. You talk about the confidence in Sean Desai. This was the worst move that you can make because now you've got Matt Patricia playing mad scientists trying to come up with all these different defenses and whatnot, confusing the hell. It's already bad enough. you got all these – you're way, way, way under-talented at linebacker. Okay? That's a major – major issue for you but then you turn around and you're playing all these young guys in the secondary and you're throwing a full playbook at them 
not a game plan like this, but a full, you know, playbook like this, it makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever, you know. And, John, we talked about it, you know, in the earlier segment, when players aren't sure what they're doing, okay, it's hard for them to play full speed. So then simplify what you do, you know. Simplify what you do so your players can play fast. The game is meant to be played fast. But when guys are trying to think while the play is going on, defensively, you're always one step behind because the offense knows where it's going anyway. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, now you're two, three steps behind, you have no recourse whatsoever. You know, every single cornerback, John, and, you know, I know you got to play some zone, but every single cornerback came up playing man-to-man coverage, okay? In my opinion, it's the easiest coverage to play if you put them up in a in a – in a uh, aggressive stance, okay? You teach them how to play it. You take away the inside or the outside with the inside or the outside hand jam, and you just tell the guy to run with them. Just run with them. All this other stuff is just conjecture, you know? Get over here to this landmark and then get your eyes back at the quarterback. But guess what? You don't know what the hell the, the routes are, you know? So if you don't learn how to drop to a landmark and then survey the area while peripherally seeing the quarterback, it doesn't make you a hill of beans difference. You might as well get man coverage and play more aggressive because what you've been doing all season long hasn't been working, okay? So if it hasn't yeah. been working, doesn't that mean that you should try some different things, do something different? Maybe you should blitz. Maybe you should come with a damn zero blitz. Come with it. Come with it. Speed up the quarterback clock and make him make the perfect throw and the perfect decision time after time. But to continuously play off coverage and then complain that you can't get pressure is just pure stupidity. It's stupidity. I don't care how you cut it. It's stupidity. Yeah, I mean, I mean today I think the bigger issue was was, you know, the running game and I, I don't know where that's gone. You, you're right, Seth. You talked about the lack of talent at the linebacker position. At one point, they had Ben Van Sumer and tagging in for Shaq Leonard. Now, Shaq hasn't been here for a long time. Um, James Conner, Matt Patricia talked about him this week. He's a really good back, but, you know, that's the kind of thing you talk about with a bad team. They got, okay, they got a pretty good back. He's not you know, he's not Adrian Peterson in his prime, but they made him look like that today. Um, and the question is why? Uh, we we talked a little bit about the rookie wall with Jalen Carter. We got a little bit of a sophomore wall with Jordan Davis because he seems to be wearing down. And when Jordan Davis isn't playing at a high level, that really affects the run support. Um, so that's part of it. Um, the coverage... I agree with you with young corners, especially uh, Seth, Kaylee, Ringo, Eli Ricks, especially with those guys. Yeah, they're better in, in press coverage. And as you go along, you can teach them all these intricate zones and everybody. And because, you know, Gannon was back, everybody was talking about Big Fangio again. Can we put that to rest? Big gave up 56 stinking points today. Can we put that to rest? Just find a defensive coordinator that can settle down this defense, pick the best players, and play them. Don't throw the kitchen sink 
every play. I got to play this. I got to play Mike with Nolan Smith. I got to bring Ben Bansumer in, in there. I got to play Sydney, Sydney Brown at nickel corner. I got to play Sydney Brown at safety. Why? Pick the best players. Uh, all right, John. So let's come full circle here because – you know, we always look at, at where they are right now. This looks like a broken team to me. And it's it, it's it, they introduced that concept when they made that defensive coordinator change. So now that we see what they are, and it's really no surprise, the hopes for them to be in the playoffs, now it looks like they're going to be the fifth seed. They, this team looks like a first-round loser the way they are right now. Uh, am, I, am I right, or is this frustration talking? Well, I think it's a little bit frustration. If they go to Tampa, for instance, are they going to lose that game? Well, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe. And that's where, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have laughed at you if you said that, Mike. But now I can't laugh at you. I could say it's a possibility. But I wouldn't say it's a probability. Um, second round, you know, now they're probably going to have to go on the road to Dallas or Detroit, however it shakes out. Can they win that game on the road? I I, I wouldn't well, like they, they I wouldn't would, like them would, right now. They would go to San Francisco after that. Yeah, or San Francisco. You're right, number five. That, that's no way. They, they're, they're the fifth yeah, seed. It would be they, Dallas. You're right. Game would be against the Niners. Yeah, there, it would be. Yeah, it would be Dallas, Detroit playing each other. So you're right. That's even less of a game. So anyway, it shakes out. Can they win on the road against one of those other good teams? I would say right now, probably not, probably not. But I, I'm not going to go to that level that they're going to lose on the road to Tampa if, if that's the situation. Or let me help. Um, let me help you go there, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying they can't. Right, 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 right. Arizona. I, know, I know, but I'm not saying that they can't either. But they will. I promise you that. Okay, because you talked about this team, you know, being broke. You know, we talked about this team being flawed. This team has been – whatever confidence this football team had, San Francisco snatched the soul out of this football team. They have not been right yeah. since that game, okay? And when you lose a game like that, it's incumbent upon the coaching staff to figure out how to snap you out and pull you out of it. You've had a coaching change. You've had – after the coach said it wasn't going to be any change, um, you got anonymous – players that are making statements and, and saying things, you got blowups on the sideline. That's coaching. That's coaching. I don't care what anybody says. That is coaching. It's incumbent upon the, the coach and the coaching staff to be able to get that kind of stuff under control. And these are the problems that I have with the Eagles when they hire these, these coaches that go and bring their friends along that really might not necessarily be in a position or be or qualified for the job, okay? See, because if I'm looking at the linebackers and 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 I'm and, and I'm looking at they're in a four-man front. If they're in a a an over front, that means that they're shifted over to the to to the tackle to the tight end side. Okay. So as a linebacker, if the play comes to me, I know that I'm a C gap player right now. If the play goes away, I'm an A-gap to flow. If I'm backside, I'm A-gap to flow in the opposite direction. So please help me. Please help me understand why our linebackers look like they don't know where they fit. You get into a five-man front, okay? You got one linebacker on the field, okay? What, no matter where it is you decide to shade the nose, that linebacker is really only responsible for one gap. 
because you're dropping the other safety down in the box. You're in a seven-man front. I don't give a damn if you got to go and put each guy in a gap. You get in the gap, you get in the gap, you get in the gap. Get in your gap and just stay there. You're going to tell me that these coaches can't coach a player as to where he's supposed to fit? What are you reading? You're not reading the, the offensive line. You're looking at the running back. That's why you're not sure where the hell you're supposed to fit. Look at the flow. Get to your gap. Flow two, get to your gap. Flow away, get to your gap. It's simple. It really is that simple, okay? And then one of the safeties, whether it's strong or weak, they've got to drop in and take that cutback lane away. That's the way it normally works, okay? Football ain't that complicated. Don't The, the, you, the analytics have made everything overly complicated. It's not that complicated. So you're going to tell me that these guys can't figure that out? This team is fractured and broke because you got linebackers that are standing there frozen, not sure what they're looking at. And by the time they engage with somebody, they haven't moved one, one yard off the spot that they started on. You start off four yards off the line of scrimmage, and you don't move. And then the offensive linemen are up in your face by the time you figure out what's going on. So, yeah, you can go to the stat line and see that, you know, Nicholas Moore made a whole bunch of damn tackles today, but he made them five, six, seven, eight yards down the damn field. How many did he make in the backfield? Yeah. Well, because he's not yeah. being coached to be coached. And a lot of these players that they bring in, young players, don't develop because they don't have the type of coaches that can give them anything beyond X's and O's. Coaches, coaching goes way beyond just a game plan or the X's and O's. If you can't tell me how to get from point A to point B, as a coach, you are no service to me as a player. Well, it's, you know, make no mistake, if it continues going down this road, and this is a one-and-done team, we've already seen Jeffrey Lurie when the team does not meet expectations. We lived it. We just lived it with Doug Peterson. There will be scapegoats. There's already been one scapegoat, um, Sean Desai. There will be more scapegoats, probably on the defensive side, um, Howie will start probably dictating to Nick Sirianni who the next coordinator will be. Then you might start the dysfunction of the, the head coach not being happy with that. And on we go down the same path that we've seen before. Hey, John, let me ask you a out. question. John, let me ask you a question. Why don't Howie just put a whistle on, bring his ass downstairs and coach his football <laughs> team itself? If you're going to you do know, all of that, Sometimes you don't do all of that. Why don't you just coach the damn team yourself? Well, and, and that's why I bring up the Fangio crap because it, it came up, and I get why it came up this week. But you also have the ESPN report, which was obviously Philadelphia tinted. I don't know who they were talking to, but I got to tell you, I, I've talked to a bunch of Miami people, none of them heard any of this crap, they weren't looking for a new coordinator. So this spin of Oh, we agreed to terms, but he might have changed his mind And Josh McDaniels, the Eagles. All right, let's pretend that that would have happened. Who cares? The guy gave up 56 points. The problem is the personnel. And I don't care who you want. It could be Jim Johnson. It could be Bud Carson. It could be Buddy Ryan. Nobody's fixing this defense and making it a top-tier defense because the back seven is so weak from a personnel standpoint. 
Well, what you can do is stop the bleeding. And I don't think shuffling every deck chair you have is stopping the bleeding. I think you pick the best deck chair you have and you say, all right, maybe I got a, maybe I got a few games with this one. It'll hold up instead of trying every rickety piece of furniture you have. That's what I see the problem is. Now, part of it is, look, Slay's out. You got to play the young corners. And that's where some of the optimism comes from. Slay's coming back. It's not going to be next week because there's no way they're going to put him on that MetLife turf. But he's going to be back for the playoffs. We'll see if Bonte got hurt again. I don't know how serious it is. Hopefully he'll get better. Zach Cunningham was close to going this week. He'll be back. There's a chance to be a little bit better. But if you start saying, oh, I got to get Ringo and Rick some snaps, or I got to get Ben Brandt Sumerin in there, or I got to get Sidney Brown some snaps, it's probably and and good for Sidney with the pick six. And that was a phenomenal individual effort, showed off his athleticism. But he was only in that position because Reed got banged up. Uh, Colin Murray is trying to signal uh, to Higgins outside to to run a corner route. He didn't get it, and he ran inside, and Kyler just threw it up, so it was a easy interception. Um, yeah, it, it it was it was difficult. It really was difficult. Uh, John, just real quick, you you mentioned Devontae Smith was on crutches. Any? Any information on that? Does it seem like it's something that's going to be serious? I know they probably haven't given an MRI or anything like that, but what's the deal there? Uh, say that again, Mark. Sorry. Devontae Smith, you said, was on crutches. Is there yes. any reason to believe that this is a uh, it, very – Yeah, it did not look good. Um, he was on crutches in a walking boot. Um, I saw the, the actual play. He got hurt if you guys – if everybody yeah. wants to rewatch the game later, he got hurt on that bubble screen late to Kenny Gainwell. You can see he was in some pretty significant pain. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's definitely – it ain't good. It's not. Well, well here's the good news. Game. Here's the good news. The the the, the, uh, the, the offseason's like uh, two games away. So there you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. John, uh, Thanks, oh, John. Pleasure. of course, John is brought to us by Jaguar Land Rover of Willow Grove. Test drive a new Land Rover Defender and get your end-of-the-year special pricing at Land Rover of Willow Grove. Yeah, Seth, you put that image in my mind of Howie with a whistle. I don't know if I can continue, <laughs> but we will on the Eagles Pile Hockey postgame show. Caleb Santiago will join us next with the Diamond Debate. Don't go anywhere. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, welcome back to Pond Hockey Eagles post game show with the gang. I'm Mike Missanelli, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetta, and joining us on the show right now, Kayla Santiago. And I got to think, Kayla, before this game, there are most likely a lot of smiles on folks in the Delaware Valley because they got their beautiful jewelry from Mark's, correct? Yeah, absolutely. All the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day gifts, they were able to get that. They were completely sold out in so many different areas. But if you want an after New Year's Eve gift, you can still go there today. March Jewelers, they have some fantastic stuff. They've got the bling, everything that you need. It shines much brighter than the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you want to feel good about yourself and you didn't after that Eagles loss and you still want to get there, make sure you go to March Jewelers today. We're going to head to our diamond debate. Just so much wrong about this game. Mark and I were on the halftime show saying the one thing they need to do is dominate the second half. Well, they did the exact opposite of that it was really really tough to watch but let's go into our diamond debate if you want to go vote you can go vote on the twitter page at jacob sports what stood out as the main cause for the eagles collapse against jonathan gannon the return of him to lincoln financial field and it did not go the eagles way now it could go in so many different areas is it the offensive play calling they didn't have a lot of possession though so that's kind of tough to judge on is it the defensive play calling is it the personnel is there anything else that you really think is a key factor or is it a mix of both? Seth, I'm going to go to you first. Well, I mean, as players, you know, you you got to be put put in position to make plays. Um, I'm looking at this. You know, there's no way that you can be up uh, 21 to, to 6 and can't figure out, you know, how to get to the finish line. So I put the majority of this, you know, on the coaches because the coaches got to figure this out. They got to figure out a way to stem the tide. I realize on the defensive side, you know, you're lacking talent, but, you know, you got to start moving people around. You got to do some things that are unpredictable from the standpoint of 
you know, you got to if they're going to run the ball, you know, based upon formation, formations will tell you where teams, you know, are going to try to run the football, you know, so you can set your defense in a way where you can take advantage of that. Check out of it. Get get players, you know, where they really need where they where they have an advantage from a number standpoint, because really football is just a game of numbers, whether you're talking about the passing game or the running game. You're trying to stack the numbers in your favor so that you can attack where you have a numbers advantage. Well, defensively, offensively, it's the same situation. You know, if, if, if they've got numbers set in a particular way, then you've got to set your defense in a way that gives you an advantage so you can take advantage of that. And the Eagles just didn't do that. You know, Matt Patricia looked like he was just drawing it up in the sand. Some of the situations that he put out there, some of the situations he put the players in, it just made no sense to me at all and um listen the players have to execute they got to execute the game plan but that was a pretty that was a pretty darn you know lackluster game plan you know once once they came out after halftime you realize that the Cardinals score four consecutive possessions in a row that just can't happen you know that that's not just players and even though the players look like crap today that's not just the players some of that has to fall on the coaches and Mark, at halftime, we were a little bit confident saying, okay, the Eagles are sailing a little bit. We like to see what they did on the offensive side of the ball. And then just catastrophe in the second half. Is this team incapable of playing a complete game? Is this just what we're going to see? In my opinion, I agree with you that there's only two more games left because it's crazy. It looks like at halftime, all the players go home and forget that they have a second half to play. Here's why this loss is so worrisome. You were in control. Your defense wasn't playing great. At halftime, you should have been able to, you know, snuff out the fire, so to speak, and be able to gain, you know, keep all the momentum and all that. And defensively, they just weren't able to do that to give their offense a chance, a real chance to win the football game. But the reason this loss is so scary is because the Eagles are just a lost football team. And I really want to stay away from saying, you know, these players. I want to stay away from saying these coaches. And I want to stay away from saying this front office because it's this organization. It is everyone. The problem isn't just in one small group. If there, if that was the case, then it would be correctable. But over the course of the last five games, it has barely been at all, if even, correctable. With one non-blemish on their record in the win over the Giants, good for them, but it was a win they should have been controlling from start to finish as well. This is a haunting loss to the Cardinals because it really highlights how many problems there are. Howie Rose been picking the players. Then the Eagles at what? Uh 10 and 3 panicking, deciding they need to at that point in the season at 10 and 3, deciding they need a different play caller defensively because they had only faced one of the best offenses in the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys at home. And they also only faced the San Francisco 49ers who were at that team, not at that point, not just the best team in the NFC, but the best team in the NFL. And everywhere you look, there is a problem on this Eagles team. And I have a huge concern when it comes to the front office. And I know you're being funny, Seth, about putting on the whistle for Howie Roseman going out there coaching. Might as damn well do that because I don't know how much power the head coach of the football team, I hope wins a lot of football games, actually has. I don't even know how much power Howie Roseman actually has when it's Jeffrey Lurie really being that role of a meddling owner and it goes throughout. You mean to tell me the best thing the best thing they could have done at 10 and 3 was demote Sean Desai. 
keep him in the building, by the way, because I'm sure that adds to great juju at the Novacare complex. And you put him upstairs with Matt Patricia down on the sidelines. Shaq Leonard's been here, what, three weeks, and he's had uh, two different defensive play callers? That is, that is not a recipe for success. That's a recipe for panic. So when you're looking to assign blame, I hate to do this because it's something that means that it's a grave error among the entire organization. I like concentrating on the players. I love concentrating on the coaches. But this is a very, very deep-rooted problem within the Eagles organization that has gotten to gotten them to this point that they are at this year. And that is what is so haunting about this loss. It's not just a couple bad plays, a couple bad players. It's an organizational deep problem. And A.J. Brown, once again, refuses to talk to the media. He says, it's not about you guys. There's just nothing to talk about. I don't really know what to say. And before, I used to say, okay, A.J. Brown, stop complaining. But now... <laughs> If I'm A.J. Brown, I want to be the one complaining, too, because consistently maybe A.J. was trying to tell everybody what was really going on in this organization without fully out saying it. Mike, I'll go to you. Do you think Nick Sirianni just has completely lost this locker room right now? Because to me, it looks like there's no hope to get past the first round. Yeah, and I am bothered by A.J. Brown. I, I, I'm tired of the I'm not talking, you know, the, the attitude. I get it. I get it. You're frustrated. But that doesn't help what you do. That's not team uh, team like to do stuff like that. Uh, yes, Nick Sirianni has lost control of this team. I, I he, He's unable to influence. Listen, maybe he got dealt a bad hand with Laurie saying, all right, I demand that you change the defensive coordinator out of frustration. Like he pulled in Ed Snyder without the outward anger. He did it behind the scenes. Well, But the bottom line is you've got to be able to influence the game on the fly as you're coaching on the sidelines. Your defense got blown apart. By uh, uh, yeah, I, I get it. There's a lack of scheme right now. This is confusing. But th there's also a lack of will. When when they run the football uh, for 221 yards against you, this team, this Arizona team, they had three wins coming in. What were they doing on the sidelines? Opening cans of spinach like Popeye, and all of a sudden getting all this superhuman strength to plow you off the line of scrimmage. Somewhere along the line, defensive players have to stop what they're doing. So, yes, Nick Sirianni, for him not to be able to control the, the whole this whole morass of confusion, but, but also live coaching during the game with a 21-6 lead against a bad football team, you should be able to do a little better than you did. I, I just got, I got one theory I got to throw out there, Kayla, on that note. A.J. Brown might be doing this organization a favor by not talking because I think if anyone's going to shoot their mouth off at dysfunction on the offense – I think it's going to be A.J. Brown. Don't get me wrong, Mike. I'm with you. I, I want him to talk. This is BS. He should be talking. But if you're A.J. Brown, I have a very difficult time thinking that you have anything nice to say about anything going on within the walls of the Novacare complex right now at 1-4 and four in their last five games. Listen, I've, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. You know, you, you two are probably, you two at the bottom are probably too young to remember, but I know Mike Missinelli remembers, you know, the rants that I used to go on after games with Rich Kotak and whatnot. Listen, it doesn't help, you know, and I give A.J. Brown a lot of credit for being able to, you know, to hold his tongue. You know, in my youth, I couldn't hold my tongue. My emotions, I wore them way out here on my sleeves, and I just let it go. But it doesn't help because you want to know something? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, no matter how much, how much as a player, you know, when you're a good player, you can see the signs, okay? A.J. Brown can see the signs that this team has the capabilities of winning the Super Bowl, okay? 
But he's been in the league long enough to know that these years are going to the Super Bowl. They don't keep coming around. You know, at some point in time, this Eagles football team is going to get to a point where defensively they're going to have to rebuild it all, okay? Then you're going to have to take a step back because no matter how much offensive-centric they try to make today's game, the truth of the matter is your off, your defense still has to be good enough to get some stops, okay? And if you don't and you're, you're just beating everybody with offense every single week, it only lasts so long before you get to a point where you find that one defense, that one defensive coordinator, that one team, they're supremely built to be able to stop you, okay? And it's going to happen. It happened in the Super Bowl with the Eagles last year, okay? It, it, it happened with them this year, you know, in the San Francisco game, because I will continue to say that that is the game that fractured, you know, the, the, the team wasn't right, but that was the game that just really broke them, you know, beyond beyond repair. You know, it, 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 it stole their their confidence it it made them doubt who they were it even made the coaches doubt whether they understood you know who they were and what they were trying to do you know it really confused the the, the entire organization and now you're at a situation where you know yeah aj brown could say some things but it's not going to help because if guys aren't committed to doing and you heard jalen hurts talk about com, you know commitment okay then he tried to walk it back because everybody wanted to know what it meant okay there's some guys in that locker room that ain't paying the damn price. I promise you that. That's why he's saying it. Because you know what he does? He pays the price. He's there, the first guy in, the last guy out. Okay? And he sees guys. Because I've been in locker rooms like that before. Where when practice is over, those guys are out of the locker room and their damn playbook is sitting in their freaking locker. And guess what? Those are the same guys. The same guys that make critical mistakes in the game on Sunday because they're not committed. They're not putting in the time and the effort, okay? So in, in, in order to not, like, become a cancer or become the guy that, you know, the, the guy that nobody wants A.J. Brown to be, the best thing for him to do is shut his mouth and keep it moving. I can say it. Yeah, but, but he's making an issue of not talking. That becomes an issue anyway. So whether he talks or he doesn't talk, people are saying, oh, A.J.'s disgruntled, he's not talking. That still gets through the locker room. That's why I'm tired it's, of the diva act. If you had to talk, better, say something innocuous and get out. Mike, listen, at the other end of the spectrum, we had we had Terrell Owens. And everyone talked about, yeah, I get wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because everybody talked about what a cancer he was, right? Right? Okay? So the best thing that he did talking, you're a cancer, best, Seth. Listen. But not it, talking, you're it, making a point. I'm not talking. That's still the same cancer. If I'm writing, okay, if I'm writing. I don't need a player to tell me what the hell I just saw. I don't need a I don't I don't need an interview from AJ Brown to tell me what the hell I saw. Go write your story. You don't need AJ Brown to write your story for you. You just saw what you saw. Write your damn story. Now, do you want some insight? Absolutely. But AJ is telling you that if I get started talking, it ain't gonna look, it ain't gonna look right. It ain't gonna end well. So the best thing for me to do is keep my damn mouth shut. Well, how about you be a leader and make it end well? How about that? There, there, you know, there's two sides of the coin. Like you, you can conduct yourself to the point where you can be a leader instead of showing that oh, I'm not talking because I'm all pissed off. Well, it's the same message. It gets to, it's translated to, to people in the club. Oh, man, we're all discombobulated. Look at AJ. He's got a red ass. He's walking around. He's not talking. It's the same thing. And hey, listen, I was a leader. I was a leader on our team. 
didn't stop me from saying what I had to say and didn't benefit anybody. If anything, it probably divided the locker room more than it was already divided. So the best thing that I could have did was keep my big ass mouth shut instead of saying some of the things yeah, that I well, said. Well, you wasn't any big something. deal when it you didn't did it because Buddy cultivated that kind any, of thing anyway. Right? It didn't. It didn't motivate any of the players. It didn't motivate any of the coaches. It didn't. It, it didn't motivate the organization to do anything differently. Okay, we had a supreme defense that didn't do anything. Okay, because all those pieces, the organization wasn't committed. The coaches didn't know what the hell they were doing, and you had players on that roster that wasn't committed to doing what was necessary to win, point blank. So the best thing I could have did was shut my mouth and move the hell on. All right. <laughs> on, on, on the age, Real quick on A.J. Brown. He's yeah. due a, a lot of money after next season and the contract he has with the Eagles. I would, don't me, I would love for him to validate – how a lot of us feel about how discombobulated this offense has been and just talk about the utter confusion that happened in their second-to-last possession of the game right before they faced that first and 20. I would love to hear A.J. Brown's take on it all. But I think he knows he's got a sweet gig right now playing with Jalen Hurts, about to make $45 million, I think, on a base salary after next year where the Eagles do have an out after 2014 on his deal. I think all that's playing a part of it. I think if he did talk, he would he would validate how most Eagles fans feel about this team and how most Eagles feel uh, most Eagles fans feel about this offense at the same time. All right, I, I'm tired. I'm just tired of the diva act mm -hmm. uh, with, with with everybody, uh, all these receivers in this league. But Mark, before we get to a break, and on the other side, we're going to give game balls, which is a highlight of the Pond Hockey Eagles post game show. Tell us a little bit about the great charity we're involved with, the Ebod Charity. Absolutely, and uh, it's been an honor to talk about this uh, for the vast majority of the season with you guys. As you know, the strength of a football team, it lies within its players, and it lies a lot within the coaching, and it lies throughout the organization. Well, here's one organization that knows what they're doing, and this is the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation. They're helping support Alzheimer's research and caregiving for a stronger collective effort to combat the disease. And right now, this football season, we want to make sure that we do our part here at Jacob Media during Alzheimer's and fighting that disease. Jacob is joining forces with EBOD, the EBOD Foundation, to lead the charge for a cure. Your donation today not only supports this critical mission, but it also enters you to win a big trip to Vegas. How about that for the big game sweepstakes? Here's what you can win. Tickets to the big game itself, two nights at a hotel in Vegas, $2,000 in cash for expenses, and all you have to do is text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835, and you, you, you will receive info to enter in this, cont uh, enter in this contest. And together with EBOD Foundation, with Jacob Media, and you, we can help triumph over Alzheimer's. Make sure you also use those keywords right there. Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun, Team Farsi to place your vote. Thank My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story.
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one size fits all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored. Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, it's the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Mike Missanelli here with Seth Joyner and Mark Farzetta. It is time for Game Balls, and that's brought to us by the great people at Colony Pools. Check them out online at flywithcolony.com, where you can sign up right now for the Colony Pools Winter Watch Program and get your custom green pool cover delivered in 2024. Not the best timing for a Kelly Green, Eagles, but hey, you never know what could happen in the playoffs, right? Game balls, fellas. Let's go to Seth. Seth, what game ball do you have? Game ball? I got no damn game ball for nobody, man. You're not going to give a game ball out. You ain't giving a game ball to no damn body. You can give a game ball to somebody on the other side. I'll give it to Kyler Murray. He cut their ass today, okay? How about that? <laughs> he made plays where he needed to make plays. He hadn't looked that good since... Two years ago, and the Eagles the Eagles defense made him look like Joe Montana today. Now I know they had a great running game, but to my point, you know I've been saying all along, you know if you have a good running game, it makes life easier on your quarterback. And they they made they proved that point today. Something that the Eagles coaching staff and organization just doesn't seem to get. You know, you you got this little this little quarterback in the pocket who sat back there and just carved you up today. You know, for three touchdown passes, three now, three with, with some wide receivers that you know, if I if I put a million dollars up, you couldn't name either one of them. You couldn't tell me their their first name, their last name, what college they went to, or what high school they went to. With a bunch of no name receivers, he came up in here and carved this damn offense up, this defense up. 
Give it to Colin Murray if you got to give it to somebody. All right, that's fair enough. Seth, Seth you look like uh, an, uh, an elementary school kid who got put in a corner. What's yeah. that? <laughs> I am You're sitting in the corner. Like I'm yeah. sitting in the corner. I'm sitting in the corner of my office. My my desk sits caddy corner, so this is the corner right here. All right, me. you put some more oh, work man. back there, Seth. Put Picasso on one side and Monet on the other. I ain't putting nothing up, man. <laughs> I'm ready to take my ass back to Arizona. Y'all can have this. Farsi, who's your game ball go to tonight, Fox? Seth with a huge curveball there, Mike. All right. I, I'm about to hate myself. Because I, if this guy's getting the game ball, this means it's the worst possible flipping outcome this game could have had. Jonathan Gannon. Here is my game ball to you, sir, because you dropped a gauntlet in front of Nick Sirianni in the fourth quarter. You took off your glove. You threw it at the feet of Nick Sirianni. You challenged him to a duel, and then you slapped him across the face. You literally gave his offense the ball at your 39-yard line. You said, here's an onside kick. I double-dog dare you to put this game out of reach for my team. I triple dog dare you to put the gauntlet back on me. And Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, and this Eagles offense, after the defense poo-pooed the bed for quite the majority of the game, Jonathan Ganson, here's your opportunity to put me away. I know you're going to choke it away. And that's exactly what the Eagles did in one of the most atrocious series I have seen from them this year. They get knocked back from a first and 10 to a first and 20 with a holding. They burn a timeout and then run that dreaded screen to Kenny Gainwell in which now Devontae Smith has some sort of lower body injury, foot, whatever the case may be, in a walking boot after the game. Jonathan Gannon put it right in front of you and said, Go ahead and I double dog dare you to put me away, and you choked. So to Jonathan Gannon, to the victor, go the game ball. Congratulations, winning back the link. Yeah. It, might be, it might be. It might be. Let me ask you a right? question before you give your game ball, Mikey. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you got Julio Jones. You got three tight ends, and you got Alama Zacchaeus and AJ Brown. Can you can you guys explain to me why the hell they always got Devontae Smith, who weighs 150 pounds, soaking wet, out there blocking on these damn bubble screens? When you got AJ Brown, AJ Brown's that's, 220 pounds. This is what I'm talking two, about. When 220 pounds. Why the hell do they keep putting that kid in that position? I agree. I agree. What would make Nick Sirianni do that? He's the head coach. It's a stupid play that we still talk about every week. What's the point of that? Except to get that kid hurt. So yeah, I agree with you. Um and uh, you know, Farsi, I'll give you credit. Jonathan Gannon did. I thought it was a dumbass call for the onside kick because they were they were they were playing him straight up. I don't mm -hmm. think he needed a desperate move, and that's where the Eagles should have put him away, and they didn't. So, uh, but I get it. You give him uh, points for guts. But listen, James Conner, uh, this dude has been in the league for a really long time. He's been mm -hmm. he's got a lot of miles on on the tank, right? And uh, he had a 128 yards today, just plowing into people. And this is a guy that's overcome cancer. He's hung in the league. He's persevered. He had a one-handed touchdown snag. So uh, Connor gets my uh, my game mm -hmm. ball. Uh, that was a, an admirable performance. As much as we're going to lament the Eagles for what they did today, James Connor earned that. So he's going to get my game ball.
De- no, definitely deserve it. Definitely deserve it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's look ahead before we wrap this puppy up. Do uh, we have to? Yeah, I, listen, I, I thought, sure, they're going to win the last few games. Now this kind of blows the gig, and it looks more likely they're going to get the fifth seed. So uh, next week, the result might not even matter. But uh, I, I mean, is it possible that this team is so broken now that they could possibly lose the final game of the year to that team on the road? Yes. The Eagles are not at all a good football team right now. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for even using right now. The Eagles are not a good football team. They're not even well. What are they? A well-coached football team? Do they have an amazing amount of personnel? They're going to pull out Zach Cunningham, Lawrence Taylor. Like, I, I, are they all of a sudden going to fix all their mistakes? I get that the Giants aren't a good football team, but the Giants were also not a good football team when they almost came back to beat the Eagles the way the Cardinals were able to do that today. So, what am I supposed to pull faith and hope from that all of a sudden? The Eagles are going to figure this out and look like a team that was well-deserving of being 10-1. and one. Are they going to look like a team that's going to all of a sudden get a double-digit victory, which, by the way, would be their first double-digit victory since week seven against the Dolphins? Like, think about that for a second. This team with that offense, with the weapons they have, they can't even put teams away. They couldn't do it to the Giants. They obviously couldn't do it here to the Cardinals. I, the, the, the Eagles are a team that's limping into the playoffs. They are an, an injured doe hobbling through the forest, just waiting for something to just bite their head off and put them out of their misery. So I and I have no confidence they're going to beat the Giants all of a sudden. I have no confidence they're going to win a playoff game, even if it somehow magically is still at home. This team is a lost, broken, faithless, uh, choke artist of a football team right now. I have zero confidence in this team, even going into week 18 against the Giants. Seth. Seth. Seth, mine's back in Arizona, man. Seth, he's finished. Seth, that that third green breaks to the right. All right, sorry. I'm trying to figure out out what the line is for the game. (laughs) I think the Giants Giants might be favored next week. No, they're not. They're not going to be favored. Listen, man. I'll, tr- I'll check the line. Go ahead. Give me your feeling on it. I'm telling you right now, Tyrod Taylor almost brought that team back from the abyss last week and won that football game. The same way that Kyler Murray brought this team in here with a running back and James Conner, you got to be out of your mind if you don't think that the, the Giants don't believe that they can win that football game next week at home. In their Minus home. six and a half. Sorry. Six and a half. Eagles favorite six and a half. That line will fall like a, like a like a rock thrown into the Schuylkill, okay? By the time you get to this time next Sunday, yeah, I'm telling you. So it'll also dis- disintegrate by the time it gets to the bottom? Yeah, I think – I think oh, it's in bottom. I think I'm going to tease it. I think it goes straight through. I think I'm going to put 1,000 on the, on the Giants and tease it up to, to 12. How about that? Take the Giants. They certainly ain't losing by more than 12. Okay, even if they do lose. But I'm telling you right now, if Saquon Barkley is healthy, they're going to run the ball at the Eagles. He had some success in the second half last week. And Tyrod Taylor is not turning the ball over. The guy throws safe passes. He's only going to let that ball go if he feels as though that guy is wide open. He's not throwing any, any tight windows. You know, and the Eagles' coverage hasn't been tight. You know, so he's going to have some throws to be made. And 
I just get the sense that, you know, this team right now, their confidence and their psyche is fractured in a way where they're going to go to New York next week and they they just might lose this game. They just might lose. They may wind up 11 and 6 when it's all said and done. You and might be right. Shake, I, you I, shake, I, I can't call you it shake now. Your head. What happened you today? Shake your I can't head all you want to, Mike Missinelli. Just keep on shaking. Shake it until the head till your hair falls out, okay? Because you want to know something? You were shaking your head last week when we were talking about all. Oh, you were shaking your head against Seattle. And they went up there and got their ass. Yeah, well, I, uh, I've learned. Shaking your I've head. learned. This, this game. I just been, I've been trying to tell y'all all year long that something ain't learned me. This team. this team is broke. This team is fractured. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me one iota for them to go to New York and lose next week. I think you're right. All right. Listen, let's close it down. First of all, Happy New Year to everybody who uh, is watching the show on the 6abc.com and Jacob Media Happy YouTube. New Year. Oh, Happy, yeah, it's New Year's Eve. Happy New Year to everybody, especially our crew. That might, you, are you starting already? You got what you got there? You got eggnog? Oh, it's, it's about to be a happy new year, believe me. You you think I'm gonna let the Eagles ruin, ruin my damn yeah. my damn new year's you out your mouth. Hey, I know you like that brown liquor. I know you're gonna start on that. <laughs> In any event, the crew of Jacob Media, thanks for putting on the show. Everybody working on New Year's Eve. Um uh, uh, happy New Year to Seth. Happy New Year to Mark Farzetta. Happy New Year to Bill Colorudo, to Kayla Santiago, and uh, uh, everybody uh, here with Jacob Media. So here's to a better 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the uh, Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show. We got at least uh, two more to play here. So we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the Oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
wings by Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.